Hello and welcome back to In God We Trust podcast. I just want to start out with saying that every single time I'm about to start recording, I get all these thoughts in my head that are like, don't, like, this is, you're going to say something dumb, uh, that's pointless to do this, and just all these like negative thoughts in my head, and this also happens at work sometimes. It's just like the devil and the angel on your shoulder type thing. I just want to say that if you feel like you are the only person that is hearing those voices and negative thoughts in your head, uh, you're not because I'm sure that a lot more people are too. But I mean, I am as well, and they're all normally negative, it seems like, at first. And it's not like I want to... Um, like follow those negative voices, but it's they're normally like an easier way out, you know? It's like if you're about to like do something at work and you could either like cut corners or, you know, not do it to your full potential. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of hard. And I just want to let you guys know that you're not alone. The one thing that I've been struggling with lately is actually reading my Bible and like spending my own personal time reading it and studying it but it really does help and praying every day humbling yourself before god like saying i'm nothing without you god i need your help it is very helpful and yeah that's that's really all i wanted to say before i got started today uh just a few little things like that but okay that that was completely off topic but Today, we are reading some of the book of John. I'm not sure how much yet. There's 21 chapters, and for anyone that is not familiar with the Bible, um, John is in the New Testament, and it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the four Gospels. And so, yeah, we're in the New Testament today. We just finished, what was it, Joshua uh, last week. And that was pretty good, but um, it's kind of a weird read, kind of. The Old Testament is just different than the New Testament. But I'm excited to start John today, and uh, the Gospels are just very, very nice. They're a great read, and um, I don't know, they're, I don't know the word, enlightening? Is that, I don't know, they're, they just always seem to say uh, something that you want to hear, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, I'm going to start out with reading the little uh, book before, and that is like, whom did God inspire to write this book? And what was this book first written? When was this book first written? How does John show us God's love? And yeah, I'll go over that real quick. And then I'll start with the reading. And I think that I'll do seven chapters today. I'm not sure on how long it'll take me to read that, but um, yeah, since there's 21, we'll probably have three different sections for the book of John, but I was maybe thinking two, depending on how the read is, like I said, so it's either going to be three readings or two readings, so I'll just see how it's going today, and yeah. Okay, well, I will get right into it. Whom did God inspire to write this book? John, one of the twelve disciples of Jesus, 
who wrote this book. John was the brother of James, an especially close friend of Jesus. He sometimes calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. John chapter 13, verse 23. I've heard that multiple times, um, but I haven't really seen how Josh, not Josh, um, we just read Joshua, sorry, that was on my mind, how John and Jesus had a better relationship, but maybe we'll see it today. Okay, how does John show us God's love? John is eager to show us that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, that Jesus is God himself. Since Jesus is God, his death and resurrection won eternal life for us. For whom was this book first written? John was written for everyone, because everyone needs to believe in Jesus. John may have written especially for those who did not yet know Jesus. When did this happen? Jesus taught and worked miracles from about A.D. 26 to 30. Okay, where did this happen? Most of the events in this book happened in Judea, the southern part of Palestine. Okay, there's a few more things here. Here we go. What special message does this book give us? The book of John shows that Jesus is the Son of God so that people will believe in him and have eternal life. What action happens in this book? John reports miracles and teachings to show that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus' greatest miracle is rising from the dead. What important people do we meet? The whole book focuses on Jesus. Okay, now we will start John chapter 1. And the first little title, okay, one minute, before I start, there are one, two, three, four, five, five different little titles inside of John chapter 1. The first one is the word became flesh. So I will read this whole little thing and then I'll get to a point where it's a different little title inside of chapter 1. And I'll talk about that a little bit first and then I'll read it. So the first one is the word became flesh. And by the word, this is a special name for Jesus. And it means that Jesus is the person who reveals God or tells us what God is like. The Bible says that Jesus existed forever and that he is God. So, okay, we will start this right now. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, 
nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Okay, so right there in that little reading there, it just talked about how John, the author of this book, was sent here as a witness for, not my bad, a witness to testify concerning the light. And that is Jesus. He's talking about how Jesus is the light and how he who is to come is before him and how he is God. Okay, so now we'll read John the Baptist denies being the Christ. So here we go. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, No. Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am a voice of one crying in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Okay, so that was John the Baptist denies being Christ. What basically happened was priests and Levites came to ask him who he was, and he said, I'm not the Christ. And they were like, well, why do you baptize people? And he said, I'm a voice of one calling in the desert. And this was quoting the Old Testament. And this is like a prophecy of the coming Messiah, Christ. And they're not really catching on. And this is something that Jesus will see later. He quotes scripture from the Old Testament, stating that he is the Messiah who was to come. And people start to catch on to this, and that is one reason why he was crucified, is because he was claiming that he was the Messiah, the Christ. So, okay, that's just a little FYI. But here we go. Now we are reading Jesus, the Lamb of God. And what does Lamb of God mean, you might ask? In the Old Testament times, um, lambs were offered as sacrifices when a person sinned, and to call Jesus the Lamb of God meant that he would die as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So that is what Jesus the Lamb of God means. And this is a very short little side book inside of chapter 1. So here we go. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Okay, so that is the reading of Jesus the Lamb of God. And basically, Jesus is a sacrifice that God sent down for our sins. So that's good news for all of us. Because in the Old Testament times, they would like slaughter uh, like lambs, uh, doves, and goats, and some of their first, uh, not their first, some of their best livestock as a sacrifice and atonement for their sins. And the new covenant, um, you might have heard that before. Jesus is that new covenant. Uh, we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus was the final sacrifice. Okay, now we will read Jesus' first disciples. So yeah, here we go. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Then he saw Jesus passing by. He said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated, is Peter. Okay, that was Jesus' first disciples. So now we will read Jesus calls Philip and Nathanael. Here we go. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite, in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Okay, so that was chapter 1. Now we are reading chapter 2, which there are one, two, oh, there's only two little side books inside of chapter 2. The first one is Jesus changes water to wine. 
And um, basically what happens in this little story, there was a wedding and there's big jugs of water and Jesus changes the water into wine. So it's a cool little story, but here we go. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from twenty to thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, they called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests had had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now? This, the first of all miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Okay, so that is the story of Jesus changing water into wine. And at this point in time, wouldn't you think, like, man, people should really, like, start to follow him and listen to him? But that's what happened with his disciples, it just said. Um, but the people at the wedding, if they all saw and heard about this, um, wouldn't you think that if you were at a wedding, you heard this, that someone at the wedding did this, you know, it's like, okay, this person has to be God. But it makes me think of, sorry, this is off topic. It makes me think of in Revelation, when it says people are going to come and say that they are Christ, the Messiah, um, like, how are we really going to tell a difference? You know, like, if someone is doing all these crazy things, how are we just supposed to know that, like, okay, this isn't Jesus. Um, Jesus is still to come because it says that many will come in my name. That's what Jesus says and say that I am the Christ. But are we just going to know? You know, like, we're going to be like, okay, this is not how Jesus would act. So and it's something that uh, Luke and I talked about last, two, two weeks ago. And we should really, I guess I should look into it. But, um, yeah, think about that, you know, because it's a little bit sketchy. Because, yeah, okay, anyway, sorry to get off topic there. Okay, we are still on chapter 2, and we are going to Jesus Clears the Temple. And basically some people are, I don't really remember the whole story, but they're exchanging money in the temple and Jesus got upset and drove the people out. So, okay, here we go. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. 
he scattered the coins of the money exchangers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about men, for he knew what was in man. Okay, so that was Jesus clearing the temple. And basically, if you want to put this into a modern perspective, uh, Jesus went into a church nowadays, and people were selling cattle, and selling doves and then yeah he got upset about that and he started scolding them out I think that's the right word for it and then he flipped over the tables and he was getting a little I wouldn't say aggressive but he was showing his authority basically and um, I wonder if people were just like terrified of Jesus you know because if they would say anything he would just like roast them so whenever I think of uh this, I think Jesus must have been a guy that really had some authority. Like if you're on a construction site and the manager comes around and he's like, what are you doing, you know, and tells you to do this and that and this and that. That's basically what I think of with Jesus here. But yeah, that's just a personal thought. Okay, so here we go. Now we are on chapter three. Chapter two was pretty short. And there are one, two little side books inside of chapter three. So the first one is Jesus teaches Nicodemus. And yeah, it's a good one. If you guys have seen Chosen, um, this is when he has Nicodemus up to his place. And Nicodemus is like, he's like on the verge of like following Jesus, but he doesn't want to have the people know that, like, he acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah, as Christ. And in the movie, it's a little bit, I mean, I can learn from a book, you know, but I don't know what it is with, like, watching a movie or a video. Um, it really just connects the dots, you know what I'm saying? But Chosen is very good at um, the Gospels and everything, so if you haven't seen it, it's very good. But let's just start it right now. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? 
Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Okay, so that was Jesus just spitting facts to Nicodemus. And I'm sure that Nicodemus, by the way, that's the end of that little side uh, book inside of chapter 3. But I bet that Nicodemus was like, what is even going on, you know? You know when you're sitting in a conversation and... Um, it's about something you are interested in and you know knowledge of, but some people are just speaking at a completely different level than you know. Um, that's what I imagine um, here for Nicodemus. I'm going to put it in an example for you guys. When I hear, when I'm standing next to my dad and he is talking to someone about farming, Um, I kind of know like the basics, uh, maybe a little bit more than the basics, um, than people, uh, but there's just like a different level of talk of farming that I just do not know at all. And that is one reason why I just am like, okay, dad, you're in complete control because I don't know basically like, well, I, I know like the words that he's saying but like I could never talk like he talks to other people about farming. And this is something that I picture Nicodemus being in my shoes when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about how we should live life and how heaven is and all these new teachings. So that's just a little um, 
like connect the dots type thing. I don't know how to connect it really, but that's what I thought of, and it's kind of similar in my eyes. Not my eyes, in my mind. Okay, now we are reading John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. Okay, here we go. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water, and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God had sent speaks the words of God. For God gives a spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Okay, so that was just John giving a testimony about Jesus. Okay, now we are in chapter 4, and there are two... No, no, there's more than two. One, two, three, four... There are four little side books inside of chapter 4. And the first one is Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Here we go. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Satcher near the top of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? 
who gave us all this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Okay, that is Jesus talking with a Samaritan woman. Now we will read, the disciples rejoin Jesus. Okay, here we go. Then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or, Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, Four months more and it will be harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now... He harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now we are reading, many Samaritans believe. Here we go. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Okay, 
Now, this is the last little side book inside of chapter 4, and this is Jesus Heals the Official's Son. And then we will be starting chapter 5. Here we go. After the two days he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Canaan in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. Okay, so we are seeing Jesus perform these miracles, and many more people are hearing and believing. So the crowds are going to start getting bigger and bigger, and that is when people are going to start disliking him more and more. So that's, uh, I mean, not very good. But yeah, his fame is spreading throughout all the country, and people are coming to him and talking to him, so... Okay, starting chapter 5, the first story is the healing at the pool. And I'm sure that some of you guys know this story, and it's of the man who was laying by the pool. And I'm going to go back to the, the Chosen series again. Uh, if you guys have seen this episode, it's so good. Um, I mean, it's just a really good little TV series, and they do a great job at filming i don't know if it's filming or recording but they do a great job explaining this story inside of the chosen series so okay here we go some time later jesus went up to jerusalem for a feast of the jews now there is in jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool which in aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. 
So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay, here's a little side note. It is, whom did John mean when he says the Jews? By the Jews, John does not mean the Jewish people. This is the way John talks about the religious leaders of the Jews. The Jews in John's gospel are the Pharisees and chief priests and experts in the Old Testament law who did not believe in Jesus. Okay, so that is the story of the healing at the pool. Now we will read Life Through the Sun. And basically it's just talking about how there's true life in Jesus. And there is also two, nope, one more little book inside of chapter 5, and that is Testimonies About Jesus. But now we are reading Life Through the Sun. Here we go. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I, too, am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives him life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. He who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Okay. So that was a bunch of sayings of just crazy things, you know? Like, I mean, I'm sure everyone who is listening took something different away from that. I hope that everyone is enjoying uh, John here and seeing how great, I mean, Jesus' teachings are. They're just amazing. So, okay, now I'll read Testimonies About Jesus. And that is the last little side book inside of chapter 5. Here we go. If I testify about myself, 
my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than John, for the very work that the Father has given me to finish, and which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures, because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet you make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Okay, so that is the end of the testimony about Jesus. And now we are starting chapter 6. And this is one, two. Oh, we have two more chapters left. We're going till chapter 7. Yep, we're just going to keep rolling. All right. So the start of chapter 6 is Jesus feeds the 5,000. Here we go. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about five thousand of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the two pieces of the five barley loaves, left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Okay, so now this huge herd of people want to make Jesus king. Now we are going to read Jesus walking on water, and there are two books left 
inside of this chapter, and it is Jesus walking on water and Jesus the bread of life. Here we go. When the evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that the only boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Now we are reading Jesus, the bread of life. Here we go. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered him, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign, then, will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from the heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, here's a little did you know. What does the bread of life mean? In this passage, bread is a symbol. Jesus was not talking about real bread. Jesus was teaching his listeners that he was a spiritual food and that he would keep them alive. Okay, we will continue the reading. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. 
Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Okay. So just imagine a pastor saying this to his, um, what is it, his church. I am the bread of life. If you eat my body and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. This is what Jesus did at the time, and people were shook. I mean, they just were like, what is going on, you know? He was calling himself God. So now we are reading, many disciples desert Jesus. Here we go. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one of you come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Okay, we are starting chapter 7 here, and this is Jesus Goes to the Feast of Tabernacles. There are one, two, three, three, oh, four. Four little side books inside of chapter 7, and this is the last chapter for the day and for this episode, so let's get right into it. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposefully staying away from Judea, because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. 
Therefore Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. For you any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, because for me the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? Among the crowds there was a widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Okay, now we are reading Jesus teaches at the feast. So all these Jews are here and he's about to teach and people are going to get upset. But here we go. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, My teaching is not of my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not yet Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are a demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all astonished. Yet, because Moses gave you circumcision, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, and make right judgment. Okay, now we are reading, Is Jesus the Christ? But it's still the same story, so keep following along, and keep that thought that you had. At that time, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is a Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him. But I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, When the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. Then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go to where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, 
let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. From this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said, He is Christ. Okay, here's a side note in between this little thing here, but it's a good one. What does Christ mean? Christ means anointed one. It is the title given to the one God would send to save his people. When people called Jesus the Christ, it meant they believed Jesus was the one God promised would come to save us. Okay, so that is what Christ means, anointed one. Okay, here we go. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Okay, here is the last little book inside of chapter 7. Here we go. It is unbelief of the Jewish leaders. It's still the same story though. Here we go. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Okay. I hope you guys enjoyed that reading of John and the first seven chapters. Um, it's starting to really pick up on intensity here. People are getting mad at Jesus and trying to seize him, but it's not yet his time. So that's what's going on. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Next week, we'll pick back up on chapter eight and continue. So, okay, that's all I have for you today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a great day and God bless. Mm-hmm.